This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. It's my music. Break it down. Oh, you didn't know? Stand back. I'm a nice man. I'm a Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Eat me. You're listening to Music of the Mat on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 106, sponsored by Manscaped. We'll get to them later. This episode will be a look at the classic, question mark, 1993 album, WrestleMania The Album. And today I am joined once again by a Massachusetts brother, podcasting icon, and the host of the five-star match game, it's Joe Gagne. Hello, Joe. Hi, hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me on again. I think it's been about two years since I was on. Mm-hmm. It was the, uh, we did, uh, right before WrestleMania in New York, we did a show about Diamond Dallas Page. I think we were both packing uh, during the recording of that episode, but yes. And now we're on the verge of this year's Mania weekend, and uh, looks a little different this year for a variety of reasons, I think. And uh, and there really isn't, you know, the amount of buzz. I think it's the lowest it's been in, in many, many years, given the lack of star talent on the indies, the lack of fly-in talent, um, lack of major promotions as well. It's seen better days, I think, there, Joe. So yeah, no one, no one really traveling. No one, uh, no one really. It, it's certainly lacking the flair it has had of uh, in previous years. But you know, we will get a WrestleMania in front of fans, so I guess that is some progress. Yeah, that's definitely what I'm most curious about seeing for the weekend is seeing WWE do a show with fans again, just to see how the fans react. You know, who do they cheer? Who do they boo? That's what I'm most fascinated by, I think. Um, but the actual show itself, you know. Look, I, I don't I don't like WWE for the most part. I think they're pretty bad. I don't watch Raw or SmackDown. Um, and, and sure, do some of the matches look good on paper? Yeah, they do. But put in the context of WWE and that environment and that creative black hole, it's hard for me to get amped up about media here, Joe. And it has been for a while, I think. Well, I still have the uh, nostalgia of uh, I remember WrestleMania was big the big event of the year. So I still, you know, I still carry that residual excitement, I suppose. And, you know, some of the stuff, some of the matches look good on paper. They might not come off that way in, uh, in real life, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I always get to hop in my step when I think about WrestleMania. So we shall see. Yeah. Having said all that though, I will be doing uh, the mania preview show with Rich Krejci on uh, that massive mania weekend, you know, preview extraordinaire that's coming up. Um, and I'll do my homework. I'll do my research don't worry about that. And I'll try to be as positive as I can. Um, but no promises there, Joe. No promises. All right. Well, speaking of WrestleMania there, I figure now is the perfect time to do some WrestleMania-related content. And we've done two Mania-themed episodes in the past uh, and covered pretty much the majority of the ones that people know the most and remember fondly, I think. And there are still some themes out there that we could do, but they're mostly recent ones that I just don't feel like covering, to be honest. <laughs> don't have much of an interest in doing them. So instead, we'll look at a different side of Mania music, and that's WrestleMania, the album that came out in 1993. And it's one of those albums that, unless you're, I think, of a certain age, no offense, Joe, None uh, <laughs> you might not know about it. Um, sure, you may know the WrestleMania song or the Bret Hart song, perhaps, but the actual album itself, I think it's pretty obscure compared to most other wrestling albums out there. It's not on iTunes, not on Spotify. It is on YouTube. That's where I got it. Um, and there are still some CDs on Amazon, I think. Um, now, Joe, you are the perfect guy to have on this episode because not only do you have this album, you have it on your phone, and you told me that you listened to this thing like 500 times. Now, did you get this when it came out? Like, What is your history with this album? No, uh, when this came out in 1993, I was in high school and uh, wrestling was at uh, a very low point in terms of popularity and things you would want to admit that you enjoy. So I kept that uh, 
my fandom very quiet. Like when I'm at Newberry Comics with my friends and they're getting a copy of In Utero, I wasn't going to be like, I'll get this copy of WrestleMania, the album. So <laughs> I knew of it. Uh, you know, I heard some of the songs, they made videos for them and whatnot. Uh, I had no interest in buying it. It looked really silly, which it certainly is. But, you know, years later, things float around on the internet and I had a copy of it. I've had a copy of it on my phone for years and years. I've listened to it a bunch. I get a, I do get a kick out of it. I listen to it like, I think like 15 times in preparation for the show, which is like once more than I normally do for usual weeks. So uh, no, I feel when you put out the call, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta step up. I can't let some, you know, I was there. Like I have some context. I can't just let some it. Damn millennial. Yeah, yeah, this is my know, album. Yeah, I'm gonna let these, <laughs> these 15 year olds on the site discuss WrestleMania. That, that will not stand. Yeah. I remember discovering it a few years ago and being like, well, this sure is something. Cause Back when we did the episode about WCW Slam Jam, we talked about how WCW beat WWF to the punch when it came to putting out like a traditional album of just wrestling themes. Because the wrestling albums one and two had some themes on them, but they also had covers, they had novelty songs. Now it's 93, and we finally get a new WWF album, WrestleMania, and once again, it's anything but traditional. Because it's basically a bunch of wrestlers... Not singing, not talk singing, but rather just plain old talking and cutting promos over poppy dance music. That's it. That's the concept. And it would take three more years to get a proper album of just wrestling themes from the WWF. Full Metal, 96. But this sort of bridges the gap between that and the wrestling albums from the 80s. And if you think about it too, it's kind of like a precursor of sorts to WWE originals. Um, and just as goofy, I think, there, Joe. So <laughs> Yeah, no. Uh, Wikipedia, is under genre, it describes this as pop, rock, new GX swing, and spoken word. And I'm like, you know what? That, that kind of fits in a way. So, Yeah, I do have some facts about the album here. Um, like you said, the genres on Wikipedia listed as pop, rock, new GX swing, and spoken word. The album was produced, composed, and overseen by two guys named Mike Stock and Pete Waterman, who are from a very successful British writing team called Stock Aiken Waterman, uh, known as the Hit Factory back in the day. They did songs for Kylie Minogue, Banana Rama, Donna Summer, Jason Donovan, Erasure, and also a guy by the name of Rick Astley. So if you're wondering who to blame for Never Gonna Give You Up and the Rick Roll, that's them. That's their song. So there you go. Um, and to top it all off here, the album was executive produced by Simon Cowell. So there are some pretty big names behind this one here, Joe. Yeah, no, this was, you know, this I don't know why. I mean, this didn't do much in America, obviously, but it was a fairly big hit in uh, England from what I'm from reading here. Like it was like a top 10 album or something. Some of the songs did well, which that just blows my mind. Like you would you know, be on the radio station hearing whatever and then you know one of like the undertaker song comes on or something seems mind-blowing to me but no i mean compared to other albums this was a pretty good sized hit overseas yeah uh it did not chart in america so it laid a big fat goose egg here um but you're right in britain this was a top 10 hit uh album went to number 10 in the charts there uh the song slam jam went to number four and went silver the song wrestlemania went to number 14 and the jim duggan usa song Went to number 71. So three charting hits in the UK, but nothing in America, which is rather curious there, Joe, I think. Yeah, I don't know if it was SummerSlam 92, the residual good feelings from mm, that. Right, uh, right. Carried over. Everyone wanted an album, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, this was recorded in England, obviously, in uh, 92 and released in 93. Uh, first in the UK on April 1st with two extra tracks, of uh, one of which we'll play here. And then it was released in the U.S. on July 27th. And the funny thing about that is that by the time this album came out, a bunch of the wrestlers on it are either no longer in the company or on their way out. Because you've got Jim Duggan, British Bulldog, the Big Boss Man, and the Nasty Boys on this thing. And they are all gone by the time 94 comes around. Which, you know, I don't blame Stuck and Waterman because they can't predict the future, obviously. But... It is pretty funny to think about this album coming out and it being like almost immediately outdated. It's pretty funny, I think, there, Joe. So, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, every album by here is by someone who is a, a face at the time. And I guess there's only so many you can have that we're going to stick around. Uh, they had, you know, obviously Bret Hart, The Undertaker, 
Randy Savage was around for a little bit, but yeah, a lot of people took off, uh, which, you know, it's, it's kind of a fact of the wrestling business. People didn't just stay in, you know, the WWE for 15 years or so. Yeah, I mean, those guys are all going to or are part of WCW mm-hmm. when the album comes out. It's just, it's the way it was back then, for sure, yeah. Yeah, no, the Nasty Boys were WCW tech champs by the end of 93. So. Exactly, right, 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 right. Well, we're going to get to the album here finally, Joe. But before we do, let's talk about shaving your balls. Because support for Music of the Mat is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. And today, we have an exclusive offer for my listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with the code MOTM at manscaped.com. That's the initials of the podcast. Really simple. MOTM at manscaped.com. And that's just the deal. Here's what you can get from Manscaped. First of all, they have created the best ball hair trimmer ever. The Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. It also comes with an LED light for a more precise shave and is waterproof to make your shower shave clean and easy. I was actually sent a Lawnmower 3.0 recently by Manscaped to try it out and it was phenomenal. Easy to use, easy to clean. My balls smoother than Marcus Corvon's entrance theme, Joe. I love it. Oh, that's good to hear. And here's the thing. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which comes with everything you need to keep trimmed, cut-free, and smelling nice down there. That includes the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, and combined with the Crop Reviver, they keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. It's glorious and a godsend. Manscaped also threw in two free gifts into their perfect package, a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day, and a travel shed bag to store all your grooming goodies. So if you want to trim that junk of yours, Manscaped, it's your one-stop shop. And remember, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MOTM at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code MOTM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code MOTM. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Okay, Joe, let's get into the album here. And uh, for this one, we'll play all the songs from the U.S. version, plus the bonus Crush song from the U.K. version. Um, There's also a 12-inch mix of a song, uh, Slam Jam, on the U.K. version, but I couldn't find that anywhere, and it's just a different mix of the same song. So we'll leave it off, Joe. I think it's fine. Yeah, I I hope the listeners understand. Yeah. Okay, track number one. This is the title track credited to the WWF superstars. It's by Mike Stock and Pete Wetterman. This is WrestleMania. I said, are you ready for the Survivor Series? Who will survive?
So a quick question for you, Joe. You have a song called WrestleMania on an album called WrestleMania. So why would you start off the song and the album with, I said, are you ready for the Survivor Series? Seems like an odd choice to make there, Joe, um, on an album full of odd choices, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, not only that, they have uh, Mean Gene saying who will survive uh, over and over again, which, you know, it can be applicable in a wrestling sense who will win. But you have a pay-per-view called Survivor Series. You think you would save the question for that, uh, for a song related to that show. Yeah, yeah, very strange, very strange for sure. Um, but regardless, I think it does provide a template for the rest of the album yeah. where you have wrestlers talking and cutting promos about their characters and their personas over pop music. Um, and the same wrestlers in this song are also later on you know, in the album. Brett, Duggan, Nasty Boys, Tatanka, The Boss Man, a bit of rap in there as well, which is also on the album at times. So it does feel like an overture of sorts for the rest of the album. And you know what? Honestly, as goofy as it all is, and it is goofy, the hook is pretty catchy. Oh, whoa, WrestleMania, yeah, this is our life. Pump it up, pump it up. Like, I was moving and grooving to this one, Joe. It's it's pretty catchy. Yeah, no, this was kind of the um, fear of a certain age. They used to use this as the, the theme to WrestleMania when it's like, you know, coming soon or the event center or something like that. So, you know, you, you'll know that uh, that, um, that little... Uh, uh, hook if you uh, if you hear it but uh just getting back you know the uh beginning the are you ready for the survivor series do you know who that is i do that? yes yes that's that kind of a a little mystery that was actually cracked i think like a year or two ago oddly enough yeah i was doing some research for this and one of the sites i go to is Zylot themes and under each page there's a notes section where people can leave comments and for this song somebody asked you know where does that opening come from and somebody had the answer it's Jimmy Garvin, of all people, from an unaired promo during a tryout of his for the company in October of 92, which is the month before Survivor Series. So that's why he references it. So um, he didn't get a job, mind you, but he is immortalized in this song, at least. So there you go. Yeah, that is it's not only do you use something referring to Survivor Series, you use, you know, an unaired promo from someone who wasn't hired. It's just like, I would I would love to know the decision or if someone lost a bet or someone decided to do the weirdest thing they could yeah it's it's again a very a very odd choice and a very odd album overall i think yeah mm -hmm. um but you mentioned that this was the theme for wrestlemania for a few years uh the instrumental version of it was uh for manias 9 through 14 so this was the mania theme for pretty much the entire new generation era and it fits i think it's very bright and colorful and bombastic um, it would also, later on, be Linda McMahon's theme, uh, which is funny because Linda McMahon and fun, poppy dance music don't quite gel together there, Joe, I don't think. <laughs> I, I always bothered me, like, the great, <laughs> my great memories of, uh, of WrestleMania's gone past were kind of tainted that, you know, Linda McMahon <laughs> <laughs> got this, got this really, really good theme song, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah, well, Vince, I'm going to tell you about business. Now, it's a strange mix there, for sure. For sure. Track number two, and this is another song credited to the WWF superstars. It's by Mike Stock and Pete Waterman, featuring Colin Einstein Case. It's called Slam Jam.
This is basically like an alternate version of WrestleMania. Because the two are very similar. Uh, similar music bed. Even has that same... Into the chorus. Um, a very catchy hook. A very safe rap verse as well. Different lineup though. With Brett, Taker, Savage, and Bulldog. And the wrestlers' parts are a lot shorter too. Uh, just a few lines each with their catchphrases like... Oh yeah! And rest in peace. Um, but the similarities between the two songs are quite evident, Joe. Yeah, I don't know why this didn't end the album. You'd think you'd want to bookend it with these big numbers with everyone involved, and you you kick them both off, and the album just kind of peters out at the end. But I did think it funny the Bulldog kind of snuck in, because everyone else kind of, you know, on these would have their own song later on. But I guess I guess they knew this would be big in the UK market. They wanted something from the Bulldog, but he got fired long before this album came out. Probably uh, yeah. during recording. It was like uh, late 92. He was like... Yeah, uh, right before Survivor Series, actually. Yeah, yeah. so he got, uh, he got kicked out, and yeah, it's kind of a little thing. It sounds like there's a Tony Schiavone sample at the beginning. I swore I heard him. <laughs> kind of, uh, but I, maybe it's not him, but it sounded like him. They did use various clips of commentary from the past few years uh, all over the album, really. You got Vince, you got Bobby, Gorilla. Um, so it may have been him for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, another another kind of odd choice. I like, uh, on the rap, the guy says, uh, Mama said, take you out. So I guess maybe they were worried about <laughs> copyright infringement. <laughs> He's yeah. gonna knock you out, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I noted a couple of odd things about this song as well. Uh, number one is, yes, of course, the inclusion of the British Bulldog, who is long gone before this album ever came out. The other thing is the alternate title of the song, which is SummerSlam Jam. That's what it was called on the U.S. album and also the music video. Um, but they never say SummerSlam Jam in the actual song. They say Slam Jam quite a lot, but they never say the actual word SummerSlam. So it's funny how in the first song we had confusion with WrestleMania and Survivor Series, and now in this song we have confusion with SummerSlam. So these pay-per-view names, Joe, I mean, they are causing quite the conundrum. I just, I don't get it. What's going on here? <laughs> I don't know. You only have like four pay-per-views at the time to keep straight. It shouldn't be that hard. Like <laughs> nowadays, if you get like extreme rules and money in the bank mixed up, I can kind of see that. that you know, there's a bunch of them, but back then, no, no excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And um, like I said, uh, there was a music video to this song and uh, it's pretty funny because you have clips from the various shows like primetime wrestling and wrestling challenge, et cetera, et cetera. But they're interspersed with the wrestlers in the song recording their lines in the studio in their wrestling gear. So you've got like The Undertaker in full classic Undertaker getup, standing at the mic, holding up the headphone to his ear, saying his lines. It's on YouTube. It's a real hoot. And uh, it's just it's so fun to see Undertaker in his you know very serious Undertaker character you know, acting like David Bowie in the studio there. So it's pretty funny. <laughs> I don't remember that phase of Bowie's career, but uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, that does strain credulity a bit to, um, to uh, have the undertaker in his gear, <laughs> laying down some tracks and like saying like, Oh, I need more bass uh, or something like that. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I hope, I hope this wasn't like the, the one they like their one day off uh, the month. They had to go uh, record these dopey tracks, but well, what are you going to do? Yeah. And uh, the guy doing the rap is someone named Colin Einstein Case, who I never heard of before this uh, song here. Um, he did some stuff here and there. Uh, most notably, he was on the 1996 remix of The Power by Snap. I've got the power! He's on that, but um, besides that, he's pretty much just a lesser-known guy, really, in the world of music. So, there you go. Moving on now to track number three, and this is our first individual wrestler song. It's for Hacksaw Jim Duggan, who by the time this album came out in America was out the door pretty much. <laughs> this is by Stock Waterman and Dave Ford. It's called USA. I got my two by four. Two by four. I got the American flag. today is going to be awful tough. You know he's over in the other dressing room. He's big, he's young, and he's strong, and he wants to make his name beat up old Hacksaw. So sometimes I do get a little apprehensive. 
But then right before I go through the curtain, I got the American flag over my shoulder. So this one has more of a serious tone, relatively speaking, than the previous two songs do, uh, which have more of a party vibe. This one, not so much. That said, I think it still exemplifies a major theme of the album, which is the pairing of wrestlers with music that you would not associate them with having. Because Hacksaw Jim Duggan does not come across to me as a nightclub, electronica, synth-pop, dancey kind of guy, Joe. Yeah, it's very, it's very confusing. This is like almost like a spoken word performance. It sounds like this is an interview he gave on a radio station. Yeah, yeah. Someone, because he's talking about he's getting fired up. He gets his two by four. Someone goes, "Uh oh!" Like, "Oh, here he goes." So I don't know if that's what they did or not. It, you know, it's, it is interesting. He's talking about, uh, you know, trying to fight off the other guy in the locker room. Wants to speak his name at Hacksaw's expense, but he gets fired up and. Yeah, it's, it's um, it doesn't match all that well, but I, you know, I can still hum it very easily. I did like, you know, they keep playing the sample like a powerful new force, and like Jim Duggan had been there six years at that point. <laughs> it's not long these days, you know, everyone's there forever now. But back then, that was a long tenure in the WWF. Yeah, yeah, the lyrics, I don't have a problem with those because he's talking about his two by four, the American flag, fighting, and the fans cheering him on. That's all good. But I think that whole style and persona is much better suited for, like, good old-fashioned Americana, meat and potatoes, rock and roll. That's a much better song for Jim Duggan, but that's not what the album is. The album is, you know, synth-pop and dance beats and, you know, samples and all that stuff. So it is what it is, unfortunately, and as a result, we're going to get on this album some pretty strange combos between wrestler and sound, as we just heard here. So there you go. Track number four, and this is for a tag team, Brian Knobs, Jerry Sags, The Nasty Boys, who are also gone by the time this album comes <laughs> out in the States. <laughs> this is another stock Waterman and Ford song. It's called Nasty Boy Stomp. The Nasty Boys are just plain nasty. 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 It's you against us. say for a couple of mean ugly white guys like the nasty boys this is a real funky brew here i mean this is a real bopper with this one um not entirely original mind you but still it's pretty damn catchy um has the stomping b2 so nasty boy stomp that all makes sense um now i know that this wasn't the nasty boys actual theme and none of the wrestlers songs here on the album were their actual themes but if this was the Nasty Boys theme, I don't think I would have minded, Joe. It's pretty good. Yeah, no, some of these songs kind of are based off the wrestlers' actual theme songs. They're incorporated in the Nasty Boys WWF theme. It's kind of this, it's kind of one of my like more interesting songs to me. It's kind of this really abrasive, I guess kind of record scratching. It's really abrasive and off-putting, much like the Nasty Boys were. But they couldn't really do that, so they just kind of ripped off Nasty by Janet Jackson and went along with that. There are a lot of these really odd touches in the, in the song there's this weird uh, synthesizer bit that's like sounds out of place and then there's just like a woman screaming that like kind of gets chopped up all these kind of like weird effects but it is it is kind of 
it is weirdly catchy and all that. Like, it's just the Nasty Boys yelling at you. For, for <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no, it, it's kind of one of the more memorable songs on the album. Yeah, the uh, song takes its uh, <clears throat> inspiration uh, from a pair <laughs> of songs. Uh, the obvious one is Nasty by Janet Jackson. Nasty. And look, if you're going to make a Nasty Boy song that's very groovy, that's a pretty good song to base it off of, I think. Um, the other song is is way less known. Uh, it's called Visions of China by a band called Japan. Uh, and they're like this very obscure kind of UK art pop new wave band. I don't know you know, where the hell that song came from for this album. Uh, maybe Stock and Waterman having their foot in that UK new wave world. They knew the song and the band, but... I mean, to like Joe Sixpack WWF fan, they would have no idea about that song at all. It's an out there pick, Joe, you know? Yeah, I had no idea. <laughs> I saw that sample too. I was like, I've never heard of that. So if you're going to steal, you may as well go obscure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like you said, it is pretty funny to have this really hip, funky, groovy music. And you're pairing it with the Nasty Boys who they're just they're just screaming the entire song not talking screaming <laughs> it's you against us and you're going down get ready you're going to nasty vale bow bow down bow nasty oh yo yeah. nasty boys it's it's tremendous joe yes also uh i have to give uh assisted by uh bobby heenan and uh gorilla monsoon are featured uh Quite a bit. I think from the SummerSlam 91 match against the LOD, they are, their samples are used quite liberally on the song uh, to, uh, to boost it up. So, Time now for track number five. And uh, Joe, we've had some pumped up energy so far, but I think it's time to get a little more sappy, a little more melancholic with a ballad. And who better to give us that ballad than Brett the Hitman Hart? This is Stock and Waterman with Never Been a Right Time to Say Goodbye. here is a sappy anthemic pop rock ballad about a broken relationship background singers an emotional hook the whole nine yards and I, I am just tickled pink no pun intended that of all the people to give that kind of song to you give it to Brett the Hitman Hart one of the most straight laced matter of fact guys on the roster I just think it's, it's hysterical that, that contrast between there's no way to make this easy. And I know we've been through some good and troubled times. There's never been a right time to say goodbye. Like that delivery and the actual content and the music itself, like it's, it's incredible, Joe. Yeah, I'm guessing Brett doesn't have kind of the outgoing personality someone like, you know, Jim Duggan or Randy Savage does. So they thought they'd try a, a different track. So, you know, so be it. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's an attempt to kind of not quite humanize him, but show he's more of a human being than someone like Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior was. But Brett just sounds like a robot here. It's like, like she'll end up crying. Our love's dying. It's like, oh my God, it's so bad. And who is he talking to? Is this one of like his, you know, paramours on the road, so to speak? <laughs> you know, he's, he was married at the time. It's just, it's it's a really bizarre experience all around. 
maybe it's being prophetic about his divorce from Julie. I, I don't know. Who, who yeah. knows, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do have to stress again the subject matter of the song here, which is about a guy breaking up with his girl because he knows he's not good for her. And I know lies will only hurt her, and I can never see her in that way. But either way, she'll end up crying. And I'd sooner walk away and let her love again. But anyway, our love's dying, and there's never been a right time to say goodbye. To say goodbye. A, that's pretty heavy subject matter for a wrestling album. <laughs> and, and B, it does not line up with the rest of the album at all. Because the rest of the album is guys cutting promos or talking about their characters. There's references, there's funky beats as well. This is just a straight-up, like, pop rock song that has no Bret Hart references, no uh, nicknames, no sharpshooter. He doesn't sound like he's in promo mode at all. Nothing. Like, And as novel and as fun as it is to listen to, um, it's also very odd in the context of the album, Joe. Yeah, this is like putting Beethoven on a Slayer album. It just stands out <laughs> badly. And this album's for kids. I mean, you know, so, so I don't know what like, kid's going to get out of someone talking about love dying. I don't know if that's... Uh... Yeah, this is just such a bizarre anomaly. I think this is actually one of the must-listen tracks on the album just for the just strangeness of it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotta hear it. You gotta hear it for sure. Um, I was thinking about this too, actually. Someone like Shawn Michaels would have been, I think, a better fit for the song because he's the heartbreak kid. Boom, it, it all fits right there perfectly. Um, but I guess, you know, Joe, you said that uh, all the wrestlers on the album are faces, so uh, perhaps they didn't want to give that song to a heel. Um, just a theory, of course. I, I don't know for sure. Um, just a theory on my part. Mm. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club. Dot com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net, arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Up next, track number six, and it's for old Booger Red himself, The Undertaker. This is by Stock Waterman and Gary Miller. It's called... The Man in Black. Hey, 
How big of a Queen fan you are, Joe? Uh, but there's a song on the album, A Kind of Magic, called Gimme the Prize. And it starts kind of like this with this badass guitar solo and samples from Highlander with Clancy Brown going, I know his name. And then it goes into this kick ass Queen song. This one also has a badass riff uh, with The Undertaker going, The man in black has got a tombstone just for you. Dance with the Taker, rest in peace. And before you could even finish saying, wait, did he say dance with the taker? It goes into just a proper, full-on New Jack swing mode with a flat top haircut and everything. This is such a, a jarring transition here, Joe. This is incredible. Yeah, no, you're right. It starts off with that sick riff. It's like, yeah, let's go. And then it's like the Monster Mash kind of dance version breaks out. It's It's... Undertaker's talking, he's like, rotting flesh, carcasses. It's just, it's very odd. Yeah, you got him doing lines like, the most powerful entity in the World Wrestling Federation. Slam, jam, death. (laughs) Yay, though I walk through the shadow of the Valley of Death, the Undertaker will embalm you. Like, proper, scary, dark, doom and gloom Undertaker. And then what's underneath it? Like, you could not be more different there, which is why it's just, it's so funny to hear it. Yeah, no, you would think like, well, we're doing an album of dance tracks and The Undertaker is one of the most popular stars, so he's going to be on. <laughs> you know, you just had to do that. Like, you know, you had no choice. You couldn't just do like a, I don't know, like a, a heavy song or, you know, something spooky or anything like that. Nope, had to be a dance track. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, even, like, taking out the Undertaker character, Mark Calloway, the guy, is not a New Jack Swing kind of man to me, you know? I, At least I don't think he is. Um, so I do wonder, did he know beforehand what his song would sound like? Or did he listen to the album and was like, all right, here's my song, here we go, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, how did that work out there? I'm curious. Yeah, that is a very funny idea. He just goes in to record his lines, like rotting flesh, and then, you know, he's expecting something heavy, and then, uh, and then like, you know, the dance track comes out. Is That is a funny thing to think about. Yeah, yeah. Track number seven, and this one is for Macho Man Randy Savage. It's by Stock Waterman, Asha Elfenbein, and Tony King. This is Speaking from the Heart. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, ooh yeah! It's still! talked a lot about odd combos between the wrestler and the music here uh, so far. I think in this case, though, it works because Randy Savage is such a spacey, colorful character in his own right that he can have this kind of funky, wild synth-pop song, lots of samples in it, lots of drops, and I think it fits him quite well Um, because he's not a straightforward guy, but he's also not a dark character like Undertaker is either. He's very zany and, and off the wall and, oh yeah, a cup of coffee in the big time, yeah. He, he's the macho man, that, that's who he is. So a song like this doesn't seem out of place to me at all here, Joe. No, this is, uh, this fits. I mean, they call him the macho man. Yeah, yeah. I thought like, I don't know, could we get that right maybe? It's the macho man, I don't, I don't know. But yeah, I, I don't know who got credit for this. I don't, I don't think anyone wrote uh, 
these lyrics for Randy. I think they just told him to just go pontificate in the recording studio. He's talking about he'll help you find the light at the end of the tunnel. I like when he says, I am your friend. I am the macho man. And, uh, <laughs> no, this is a very, it's kind of, Kind of a wacky chorus, but it's catchy, and uh, I'm gonna rem- <laughs> I'll never get this song out of my head as long as I live. I did like they threw in some hoes in there too. I guess maybe uh, they got that mixed up. Didn't have them in Jim Judkins track. So. <laughs> yeah, it's a very catchy chorus, that's for sure. He's the macho, or he's the macho man. Yeah. Very, very catchy, very catchy for sure. Um, it's also a very inspirational song in general, you know? Like, it's not just, I'm the macho man, I'm the best. It's about Randy helping people and looking out for them. We're all in it together, and I want to help you find the light at the end of the tunnel. I am your friend, the macho man. We're going to climb that mountain together, and we are together forever. Oh, yeah. And then it has, like, a very spacey moment, literally, where he goes... Wherever you go, I will be with you. I'll always be with you. Yeah, the moon, the stars, Venus, Pluto, Saturn. Yeah, looking down. Like, is he God? Like, what's going on here, Joe? <laughs> uh, it's just the, uh, you know, it's just Randy Savage's universe, and we just all exist in it. Yeah. The samples in this song, I do want to bring those up, because there are a few that uh, I think are very notable. Going into the chorus, it samples Pomp and Circumstance, Randy's theme, uh, with the ramp up. Dun, 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 dun. It also samples La Freak by Chic with the aww into the freak out, freak out line. The one that got me to jump out of my seat, though, is about 90 seconds in, in the chorus, when you hear the line, You make me feel so good. He's really quite amazing. He's the macho man. I was flabbergasted. My jaw hit the floor because that's the same line from Yujiro's theme. <laughs> wow. That's an incredible through line. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I don't know where it comes from originally, but I heard it and I was like, wait, did I just hear what I thought I heard? And I rewound it and I was like, Son of a bitch. I did. <laughs> it, it was it was the shock of the album here, Joe. It was incredible. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I would not have drawn a line to Yujiro to connect him to uh, WrestleMania, the album. Yeah. Track number eight. And, uh, you know, Joe, we've heard songs from various perspectives here. A Canadian icon, an all-American good guy, a dead man. Let's hear a few words from a Native American by the name of Tatanka. And Tatanka's song is by Stock, Waterman, and Ford. This is Tatanka, Native America. I could use to describe this album. Uh, Subtle is not one of them, and this song is anything but subtle as well, because it starts off with sleigh bells, of all things, and then you slowly fade up with the hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, chants. There's kind of a moody, tribal-ish aspect to it as well, in my opinion, Um, and the Tatanka, Buffalo, chants too. Um, 
You also hear Tatanka's war cry in there too, so it's all very on the nose, of course. Um, but then again, Tatanka, not a very subtle character himself, you know, so... Plus, it's 1993 WWF. Like, this is not a big shock here, Joe. Yeah, no, I guess I guess I figured Tatanka needed some help because there's a rap at the, uh, <laughs> the end of the song. And uh, I just remember the guy says, like, you'd be safer bungee jumping. And I was like, looking at the life expectancy of a wrestler back in this time, I think I would prefer to bungee jump than, uh, <laughs> than undergo this. But yeah, like, no lie, I was doing the dishes uh, last night. And I'm just humming, like, I got Native American blood in my veins. And I was like, oh, um, no way, I can't sing that. That's not right. I'm the same way, man. I I'm the same yeah. way because I put it on. And I was like, all right, here we go, here we go. And then that chorus hit. I got Native American blood in my veins and I'll fight. And my toes were tapping and my head was bobbing. Yeah. And son of a bitch, they got me again. They got me again. Those bastards got me. They, they boomed me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a recurring motif here, Joe. Just we have this goofy-ass song that is also very, very catchy. Yeah, no, beware if you listen to this one. It, it will get uh, it will get stuck in your head. Yeah, but um, but that rap verse is something, because the actual Tatanka verses, they're your standard stuff, really. I'm going to represent my people and climb to the top. I want to thank the great chiefs for their wisdom they've given me. I want to thank the great spirit, blah, blah, blah. The rap verse, though, is a bit zanier. I got the vibe from the tribe, so let me be brief. I'm the warrior, Indian chief. But first, you need to know a little something. You'll be safer bungee jumping. When I enter the ring, I'm on the warpath. So call all the soldiers and the chief of staff. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh. <laughs> like, the rap alone is great, but that, that jump from that to the chanting did make me laugh a lot there, Joe. <laughs> it's it quite, quite jarring, much like the whole album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Track number nine, and this one is for Mr. Perfect. And it says that his song is just done by Dave Ford, and it's called I'm Perfect. songs on this are their own songs. They don't connect all that much with the wrestlers' actual themes. But there are a couple songs here that do, and this is one of them, because that Mr. Perfect melody is so recognizable, even on a Casio keyboard, you hear it and you get it right away. And uh, apparently, it makes for a very good hip-hop melody too, with the record <laughs> scratches and whatnot. Um, beyond that, I don't have much else to say about it really. It's your standard promo over music, and at this point in the album, it's getting kind of tiresome, I think. Um, but I will say, though, that there's a part where Mr. Perfect says the line, I'm perfect, but his weird inflection made me laugh, because he says it like, I'm perfect. That did make me laugh there, Joe, so. No, he's a very strong drunk guy at the bar telling you what a great high school uh, football player <laughs> he was. He's like, I can... He sounds like a little tipsy before he headed into the studio. Like, <laughs> nobody, nobody's better than Mr. Perfect. It's, um, yeah, I, I like his little kind of like, I'm perfect. His little like weird voice crack. Um, yeah, I, I, it would not have occurred to me to uh, to make his theme into like a dance song, but uh, <laughs> there you go. I guess it worked for them. So uh, there you have it. I guess that's why they uh, they made the big bucks. Yeah. Although we should take offense to this, really, because 
Was it not Mr. Perfect who once sang that rap is crap? Mm. So a little hypocrisy there, Joe. A little oh. hypocrisy. Ooh, boy, good thing uh, this was not a... Maybe in England they knew, but uh, in the U.S. this album was not well-known, so maybe they just didn't make that connection. <laughs> yeah, but um, anything else about this one, Joe? Because I'm kind of done, to be honest. Yeah, now the album's kind of losing steam as we, uh, we near the end. Yeah. So we'll play track number 10, and uh, this is actually one of the U.K. bonus tracks I mentioned earlier. Uh, this is for Crush, not Heel Crush, no, no. Face Crush, Kona Crush from Hawaii, and this song is attributed to Paul Waterman, who is Pete's son. This is called Cold Crush. Borrow a line from Mean Girls. Stop trying to make Crush a thing. He's not going to be a thing. Because, like, you could give Crush the sickest beat in the world. As soon as he opens up his mouth and says, Aloha, everybody, it's Crush. I'd like to thank each and every one of you. I'm giggling, Joe. I just, I, I can't help it. I can't take this guy seriously at all. His song is just, it's too funny. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> I can see why they left this off. First of all, I love, like, there's a exclusive track. Like, you know, old albums used to have, like, a Japan-only exclusive track. I love that WrestleMania, the album, has one that was only <laughs> released in Europe. I don't know why it's called Cold Crush. He's, he, at one point, he talks about, like, it's warm in Hawaii, but temperatures dropping elsewhere. So maybe it's about, you know, crushes in, like, North Dakota or New York. Well, and it's just cold. I don't know. Well, in the background, you hear that guy go, cold, cold, cold crush, cold, cold, cold crush. I don't know why, but there you go. So, yeah, I, all right. And uh, <laughs> Crush also does an anti, anti-drug PSA, like in the middle of the song. He's like, "Don't do drugs. Like that'll get you nowhere." When um, <laughs> I guess he just yeah, just said, don't have um, guns. Maybe that would have been a good idea too. Yeah, just uh, just look up Brian Adams and his personal life and his death, and uh, you'll see the uh, the very sad irony of him doing an anti-drug PSA. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, like, about this song, it's not even so much the content, it's the accent. Like, he's trying to do a Hawaiian accent, but to me he sounds like a bad Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> One at a time, two at a time, I live for competition, I don't care, brah. Surfing, diving, diving, surfing, crushing open some coconuts. Like, I can't help but, but giggle here, because it's like, it's such an unintentionally funny song. Yeah, he talks about it like one at a time, two at a time, like 50 times during the song. <laughs> so I remember a lot of Crush Handicap matches. And uh, I love this. This is on YouTube. And it's titled Crush Sings. Which <laughs> I know it's accurate, but that still just kills me. <laughs> Crush the musical. Like, ugh. Yeah. Also, if you notice as well, I think of all the songs here, this one has the most clips of commentary being like, this guy's amazing. He's unbelievable. Like, they're trying so hard to convince you that crush is awesome, and it's just, it's not happening, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, they tried a lot harder than crush usually did in the rings. <laughs> so the final theme of the episode here, the final track on the album, is for the Big Boss Man. Wham! My album, my album. Uh, boss Man gone from the company when the album came out in the UK and the US. So uh, a fitting comical end to this one here. And uh, this is uh, Stock and Waterman, with a very familiar sounding song 
they call hard times. A big false man is law, order, and justice of the world, wrestling federation. And that is my job. Just like a big boss man, I, I, I made a vow to protect and serve. My mama and daddy always told me, treat people the way you'd want to be treated yourself. If you ever take a trip down to Carroll County, Georgia, you better read the signs. Respect the law and order. You'll serve hard times. Hard times. You'll be serving hard times. Hard times. You know the big boss man will make you walk the line. You better watch out, boy, or you'll be serving hard times. He carries a big stick upon a chain, too. So we're ending this on a swerve here, Joe. Uh, Vince Russo has struck again, because it starts out with what you think is going to be just another promo of a music song. I made a vow to protect and serve. My mama and daddy always told me to treat people the way you want to be treated yourself. And then, like an RKO from out of nowhere, it turns into just this remix of the actual song, Hard Times, the actual theme, with new music. So I was kind of surprised by this, Joe. Yeah, a little swerve at the end there to uh, do it. I like how um, <laughs> whoever's singing pronounces big stick as one word, like carries a big stick and uh, <laughs> ball and chain too. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I love the Big Boss Man Space Team. It's one of my favorites of the era. I don't know if I needed it remade as a uh, kind of a dance track, but uh, but here we go. And I'm glad I'm, I'm glad they did base it on that. It's, uh, it's such a good like a mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess you could call it a bit lazy with this one. Uh, just using the theme song for the most part. Um, but then again, like the entire album, it's not like it's some, um, you know, prog rock epic that took years to make. So uh, Lazy's relatively speaking, of course. Um, I am just curious, though, about the process behind this one. Like, did they make a whole new song and scrap it and just go with Hard Times? Was this the plan all along? Uh, were they burnt out at the end and just said, fuck it? Like, I do wonder about the thought process for this one here, Joe. I have, a, I have a lot of questions about the thought process of this album. Oh, yeah. <laughs> gonna, that might be a little lower on the list. But, uh, I mean, the big boss man was gone by the time the album came out. So, I, you know, they didn't put a lot of effort in. I can't say I blame them in the end. Yeah. All right. Well, that was WrestleMania, the album. And what an album it was. I mean, you know, we, we laugh and joke about it and how goofy it is and how dated and whatnot. But, you know what? Honestly, I don't hate it. Because there's some really catchy beats and hooks in this thing. I mean, the actual talking, it's its whatever. But the beats, the grooves, the choruses, I was digging it. So, is it my favorite wrestling album ever? No, but it's still fun to listen to and fun to look at as this time capsule, both for the wrestlers and the actual music too, Joe. Yeah, it's a, it's a good mix of uh, complete absurd goofiness and then you know actual catchy music you can tap your toes to. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening, and Joe, thank you so much for being here and talking about this uh, wonderfully wacky album with me. This was a lot of fun. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, and uh, can't wait to be on again someday. Of course, of course, yeah. Um, Any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. I will just say uh, you can listen to the Five Star Match Game right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. It's the Pro Wrestling Quiz Show. We have uh, 20 episodes in the can. They're all pretty evergreen, so you can just go back and listen and enjoy. Andrew has been on multiple times. I won't spoil, but he is always ready to volunteer to be on. And we should have a new episode dropping in April I'm working on right now. Don't want to uh, spoil anything, but it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to be on and a lot of fun to win as well. Wink, wink. Oh, bet Uh, it is. (laughs) um, But yeah, it's, it's so much fun just to listen to it at home and play along by yourself and scream at your computer it was billy kidman you <laughs> moron like it's, it's it's a good time for sure for sure and uh, music of the mat is of course part of the voices of wrestling podcast network just like the five-star match game you can find all the great podcasts on there at voices of follow the show on twitter at music of the mat follow me on twitter 
at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this episode or other topics, you can do so at the VOW Discord, voicesofwrestling.com slash discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate and click the big donate button beneath the name Music of the Met or Five Star Match Game. You'll take some money, right, Joe? Oh, believe me, I will. Definitely, yeah. So if you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. And of course, thank you to our friends at Manscaped.com for their support of the show. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code M-O-T-M. That's Manscaped.com, code M-O-T-M. Joe, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Say goodbye, Joe. Oh, bye. (laughs) (laughs) All right, for Joe Gagne, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mad is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.